When there are no meetings to make, how do you stay clean? Stay tuned to find out. Good, grateful morning. Thank you for tuning in to the Pink Cloud Podcast. I am beyond blessed to bring to you the full unedited interview with my friend and industry-leading music therapist, Tom Schweitzer. Tom has known me since I was 17. We lost touch for several years through my addiction, and this was our first conversation since my father's funeral in 2013. It was also my first interview, and I listened back to it, and I realized that that I cut him off, but I was just so excited and and my heart was so full to be reconnecting with this beautiful soul. So here it is, my full unedited interview with music therapist, Tom Schweitzer. Enjoy. The fuck up and then, then even like being at Hill School and everything really wasn't what I was supposed to be doing and then you get to your place. You are so in a place. I, I know, and it's like uh, it's like every day. It's it's more and more getting there, and yeah. it's it, it's crazy because I never thought, you know, I like when I left Virginia, I was like, I'm never coming back, and now it's like, okay, I'm finishing school. I'm gonna get my degree to be a uh, recovery specialist, a um, you know, a addiction specialist, and then I'm coming back to Virginia, and I'm gonna do something, you know. Wow. Well, to, let me know when that happens. Yeah. And you know that you are like the timing in the world right now for healthcare and recovery and addiction and therapy is like starting in 2021, it's going to be what everybody's going to be going to for the next many years to come. I know. And that's, um, you know, I, I already started recording, but th- this is basically just going to be the audio and I'm going to take it and I'm going to, cause I'm doing like my podcast sure. is 30 minutes long and it's like yep. five to eight minute segments. Like a ra- yeah. old time, like an old time radio show to keep Love people it. to keep people interested. So this right. this talk might turn into like five five minute segments, you yeah, know, sure, on the thing. Sure. But um, but yeah. So basically, m- music therapy. Ba- basically, music therapy. I think is could be huge for recovery, and yeah. and um, just a twelve step process there's more to that right there's more that doesn't work for everybody and that's what my podcast is about is i've created this thing i'm calling action oriented recovery mm-hmm. how can small actions change your life right we don't need to worry about staying clean for a week or for a day right. you don't need to worry about getting a new job tomorrow how can you change your life in the next minute to get you to where you need to be and then you don't have to focus on the future that's the only way and especially in i just wrote something on facebook today um about how you know i was i've been talking to so many people that feel like we're living in a surreal world we are living in a surreal world this is why we feel like we wake up every day and we're like in the middle of a movie that we paid to get into and we don't want to you know we're bill we're bill murray we're bill murray in groundhog's day every morning every morning and you couldn't, you couldn't build a plot in a script like the one that's going on around us in every direction. So like today, I wrote something on Facebook about if you want to help get rid of the surreal in your life, really try to focus on the real. And if that is going to your garden or planting or calling somebody who needs some love, 
cooking, and I know that we overhear, and I know in the 12-step program too, you hear this word self-care, self-care, self-care. Well, I think there's something called life care. And I think that we, we have to go into life care, meaning it's everything. Yes, it is the breathing. Yes, it is the yoga. Yes, it is the, um, you know, working out like you, you and I, I do Zumba and you, yeah. you know, like whatever it takes to get, yep. get out of your system. You have to get, you have to get moving. You have to get your air moving and you have to breathe. And it's really interesting. You said something about the 12 steps, which thank God addiction kind of, um, you know, it skipped my generation and mm -hmm. you know, my story, yes. my dad was also, uh, um, uh, alcoholic, but two things here, one in quarantine and those first two or three months. And I know I'm not the only one, a person who usually could drink one glass of wine a night, went to two, went to three. And, and until I went into, you know, when I, when I caught COVID, you just stopped drinking and it felt so good. Not that I was, you know, I could, you know, that isn't that the thing you always hear? Oh, I could stop at any time. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really realize until I'm in a hospital bed and, you know, with COVID, not that I feel like I had a problem, but I was like, my God, you really started to drink two to three glasses a night and every night. And that's because of anxiety. That's because we don't know what tomorrow brings or we know what tomorrow brings like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, exactly. And we don't know how to manage those feelings. And, and I think that's one of the interesting things with music therapy. And, you know, I was watching your TED talk last night before we spoke today. And, you know, you were talking and I already knew you, so I didn't really need right. to watch it. But I, you know, it's, right, been, right. it's been a while. Um, and you said, you know, the root of your trauma really and, and wanting to be a music therapist dates back to eight years old it's that early childhood trauma that leads to everything and it's just like addiction the underlying cause is that early trauma that we mask like my mom dying you know right 13 years and later that, and how long do you keep that suppressed right uh, and, and it is it's it's really you know birth through three they say is you know the most influential time but our childhood, in the 80s, there was this whole, like, I'm okay, you're okay, uh, what was it, your inner child. You yeah. know, now we know that actually that is true. Yep. <laughs> we, are, we are nothing more than the child we were, and we're just trying to get along in life. And being raised by somebody who is an addict, and, you know, I always had this, it's funny, I can drink a beer once in a while, but you know, for the longest time, Boomer, when I smelled beer, I just smelled my dad's breath. Yep. You know, I just... Sense memory. Time, yeah, yeah. And it brought this... Well, it brings everything back. And, you know, thank God 12 Steps helped him. He had the most beautiful last 14 years of his life. He could be around anybody. They're having champagne. They're having... Oh, beer. your dad and my dad were like peas in a pod. <laughs> they really were. Absolutely. They were so similar. Yep. And thank God they found that part of their li life toward yeah. the end of their life because they could feel how, how, you know, real living feels. Because real living is not being, you know, drinking substance constantly. So you're just sort of, um, you know, you're, you're uh, what is that called? Um, see, I have COVID head. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm missing words. I'm just um, glad you're still with us, you know. Numbing, numbing. Numbing, yep, numbing. And, and something I wanted to say, you were talking about the 12 steps. What's really interesting, and maybe this is something you and I could work on together, 
there are music therapists out there, you know, that do clinical work in the Karen Institute, uh, you know, work with people with addiction. Yep. I'm doing this new program and next week I'll be pre um, presenting it on Zoom to executives at Capital One. And it's actually called uh, the 12 notes of oh. uh, the power of 12 notes because there's 12 notes between an octave. Yep. And so I go through each each like minor second, major second, and then I kind of talk about what that sound makes you feel emotionally mm -hmm. and how music manipulates you. And I bet you there would be some really cool way you and I should talk about how do you take the 12 steps and the 12 notes and kind of merge that together? Well, no, I mean, I definitely think that there is something there because, you know, the whole way that this podcast started is I always had this dream of like uh, when I got clean and found cycling of having a, a recovery fitness center. And I came up with this thing that was called a recovery ride. And it was 60 minutes, 12 songs in class, one for each step. And the drill and the music and the tone correlates with each step and what you're feeling. And it's the same type of thing. You know, how does this make you feel? You know, yeah, because you honed that in. Yeah, because you, know, you have you something to... solid for them to hold on to. The 12 steps is something for people to hold on to. We need the whole world right now needs 12 steps. Yes. And I think what you created there and I watched some of your videos. I mean, your your inspiration on that mic on that bike and how people are connecting to it. So are you still doing that out there, Boomer? Um, I would like to, but, uh, you know, COVID. So uh, basically, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, so we locked down and it's funny because, you know, I've been clean three and a half years and I spent the first two and a half years working tirelessly on my mind or I'm sorry, on my body and just yeah. this physical transformation because I didn't know what to do with my time and I just needed something. And then COVID happened and I didn't get a chance to work on my body my mind and my spirit, the body part went out of it. So I got to see what my mind could do for the first wow. time since I was 18, you know, yeah. and now I'm going back to school and I've got this podcast and I've got realistic um, goals, right? I don't have dreams anymore. I have realistic goals. Yeah, Realistic dream goals are, are yep. because I think what starts to happen and you know, many people like this too. I, I have, and I don't mean this negatively, but a lot of people I call half dreamers, meaning they just talk and talk and talk about yeah. these dreams that are not attainable. It is so much more, it's better to have tiny, small dreams that are attainable, even if you get like three out of eight. Yeah. It's it, something that you can reach for, you can connect with. And watching you over these years, and you know, and, and something I will be able to say on this podcast that a lot of other people will not because they don't know you as long is I do know that you are somebody that music swept in, yeah. that music took in, that you getting up on stage and having a voice and allowing music to express yourself and socialize and connect, it was so obvious. And I, how old were you then? Were you 18? I was, I was just turned 18, 17, yeah, 18, it was yeah. so obvious, Boomer. And how, and then from that point on, you wanting to be a part of the world of theater and music. And the reason that people... You know, there's, there's, there's a big connection, too, between uh, some mental health mm -hmm. and those people in the arts, right? Yes, so yes. We are all looking for a place. We're all looking for a place to express ourselves. And then music has this innate way to be a conduit for our emotional self. And in music therapy, you know, right now we're doing teletherapy, just like, you know, everybody yeah. is doing it. 
It's, um, I can't say that I love it because I thank God for Zoom. Yes. But Zoom does keep you two seconds behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're playing music with somebody, that gets a little, uh, you know, tedious. Yeah. But thank God we have it because we right now are focusing all of our music therapy on emotional stability, uh, reducing anxiety, and, you know, talking through and expressing, you know, depressive thoughts for people online. And, you know, what a lot of people don't understand about music therapy is it is a clinical uh, career. It's a clinical intervention where there's a beginning and a middle and an end, and there are goals and objectives. We are not musicians that just get on, well, now get online, but we're not just musicians that are with somebody that play music to make them feel better. Well, no, you got, you take just as many classes as a therapist does, basically right yeah so we we have as many psych classes (laughs) i think all together i took uh six or seven psychology classes we have practicum psychology of music um yeah and, and and it's all in research it's all based in research so the grounding we call it evidence based work and we've had journals for over 50 years of it's a very scientific process um and so when we're in the medical field if we're at the hospital there's something called entrainment where we meet the patient right where they are. So if they're breathing heavily, which I know very well myself, yeah. <laughs> their, their labored breathing, we might play an instrument to match their breathing. And then together we take their breathing down with the music until they are now with our rhythm. So, and that's probably one of the hardest things when somebody asks, what is music therapy? Well, it is the evidence-based work of musical interventions by a certified music therapist, but it is everything. Yeah, it's everything. It's every, I'm about to go to, after I talk to you, I'm going to an assisted living home. I'm going to sit out on the porch and sing some Frank Sinatra tune. Yeah. And that basically, you know, that's music therapy for wellness and joy. Yeah, you know, well. Their windows. If you had a rough day and you sit down when you get home and you have a cup of coffee or a glass of tea and you listen to your favorite song, that's music therapy, totally you know? Therapy. And, you know, for me, there, I mean, there's songs, you know, I'll, there's an Evanescence song. Uh, I don't remember the name of it anymore, but I won't even listen to it. If I hear the first tune of it, I turn it off because that's the first song that came on after my mom died. And, and I know, you know, the second that first chord comes in, gone you know and and you also know boomer if you feel like you're bottled up one day and you have to let it out you need to turn that song on yeah yeah exactly if i need to cry that song's there you know i can't uh, same with my mom i can't listen to well i have had to listen to it but (laughs) you know i can't listen to wind beneath my wings yeah the most overplayed (laughs) song in the world in the 90s yeah you know somebody sang it at my mom's funeral it was my mom's favorite song so every time I hear it, you know, it, it brings up and, so, and purposely I have told uh, clients and patients this. Um, another thing, uh, just because the 80s was a big struggle for me. Enya, I listen yeah. to Enya, <laughs> and I love Enya. But if I turn that on, I get this sort of remote, like this, this feeling of like uh, contemplation and being confused and yeah. crying. And I will talk to... See, we, were making, we make playlists for our clients all the time, too, because there, there is good in crying, and yeah. there is good in joy. And I know? think that's great for recovery. That's a great idea for people in recovery. Absolutely. That aspect good. right there. Make your playlist. 
make your playlist and also you always want to leave yourself just like a good therapist would do you want to leave yourself up yes yes so if i'm giving some music or sharing a playlist or sharing music with a client i might take them down i might take them into a place where they're really emoting they're really yeah. expressing they might even go back in time some but whatever you do you need to lift that up and if that's like you know throwing on whitney houston and you're going to dance yeah. around the room before that client gets in a car or they, you know, they end the Zoom, you want them to have this feeling of, um, you know, like light. Yeah, you, ha you, have to, you have to leave uplifted, right? And, yeah. and you have to end your day uplifted too. Otherwise, you're going well, to start your next day down, you know? Right there. I think that's a brilliant thing you just said, yes. And, and one thing I've been thinking about lately and, you know, one thing that's discouraging for me is like, I am a felon, you know, and, and I own that and I own my story and I own everything. But, you know, I hear people, you know, bringing that up a lot with me and, and things like that. And, and so many people talk about things that they did in 2006 or 2004 or 1986. That's great. You know, it's great that you graduated from Harvard in 2006, but what did you do for yourself yesterday? What did you do for yourself today to make sure that you're going to be the best version of yourself tomorrow? Because I think that the, if there's anything that COVID has, has taught us in this lockdown and maybe you've learned is we can't rely on our past, right? Because no, our past is nothing. It, nothing's normal anymore, right? No, and, and also, Boomer, we can't rely on the letters behind your name. Exactly. We can't rely on the degrees, the certificates. There's exactly. nothing. And I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, optimistic that within, you know, four to seven months, there'll be a different kind of life. Yeah. We'll be back again. There'll be theater. And I know you're a big baseball fan. There'll be yep. baseball. There'll I be know. But I think this is um, an absolute you know, making everything as, as, as like balanced as possible where we're all the same. Mm -hmm. So for the longest time, it's a little bit different now, but you see what's happening. Yeah. You know, if everything creates conflict. Forgiveness does not come easy to America. Forgiveness doesn't come easy to the world. But now we are all, I said this to somebody like a month ago who's like really, really obsessed with mu uh, famous music. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, performers. Yeah. And I said to this person, they were like, well, I really want to get out there and I want to produce and do this. This is a young person. And I said, do you know that Beyonce is scared just as you? <laughs> like, yeah. She's, she, now she's kind of lucky. She probably has her nice recording studio down in the basement. Yeah, she's got everything. No, nobody is different during this. No one, we're watching, we're, and you know, limited news is really healthy. If you can watch five yes. to eight minutes of it a day, or read it, that's even yep. better. But I think, you know, what you said before you go to sleep too, something I've been doing is, uh, and, and advising people, turn on some music that has, that has no words. Like, because when you have words in music, it makes you like think about the lyric and you know, what are they trying to say? Music that just allows you to kind of breathe. And ever since I have now, I'm no longer COVID, I'm COVID free. But every day I have a 30 minute breathing session, which to be honest with you, Boomer, for 48 years, I was like, oh, I'm not going to meditate. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a good meditator. So then you find out, oh, meditation can just be like turning on some music and lying down and breathing for a half hour. Wow. Yeah. And I think until we really allow ourselves to do that, and music helps that. Music gives you sort of, you know, something tangible to do it with.
Well, music's music. I think is a is a it's a tone setter, right? It's an intention Absolutely. setter. If you if you're having trouble setting an intention or finding a tone or finding the right mindset, the right song, the right chord, the right note can just put you there in a second, and then you're there. You change the entire mood. Completely. I mean, this is why, for you know, for years nobody ever thinks about this, but there's a reason that there's music in a dentist's office. There's oh, yeah. Reason, and there's, you know, uh, I think back in the 70s, it was really Kmart. Like Kmart was one of the first uh, uh, first stores to like play like. Doo, 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 yeah. Because what it does, is it makes you want to shop. Yeah. Like, and you oh move quicker. <laughs> Go do something. You know, there's yeah. a reason or you're at a bar and, you know, there's like some rock and roll going on. I mean. It sets tone, it sets tradition, it sets weddings, it sets funerals. It, yesterday, um, you know, the beautiful memorial in uh, D.C. for the congressman. Yes. Um, I mean, music. It was yeah. just all there. And I think when we're talking about people, and I've had the pleasure, and I say that seriously, of working with people with addiction, because it's been in my life uh, completely, music is company. Too. Um, I think the other thing that's happening now here during COVID times is the feeling of loneliness and music can be a really great friend. Yeah, I, I think so too. And that's something that, you know, gets lost in this is, you know, there's the overdoses are spiking right now, you know, especially in Northern Virginia, you know, uh, the, the, where I did a lot of my running around in Winchester, uh, the, you know, the Shenandoah Sub uh, Valley Substance Abuse Coalition, you know, they see spiking right now during COVID. And that's because addiction is the, is the, is isolation. It's the inability uh, to form long lasting friendships and relationships. That is addiction. And these people are alone with themselves now and they don't have those meetings that they're used to making. Right. Right. So that's where this podcast came in. How can we get to them? You know, and yeah, I'm kind, I'm kind of trying to add more to the 12 steps or if you, they don't work for you, give you, give people another method, but you, you said it right there. Loneliness, right? Loneliness, yeah. loneliness. So the, the podcast can also be sort of like your group. Yeah. It, 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 it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Well, I think that so many people that, really have connected with AA and those groups are so crucial that this time has been horrific. And, it, and, and that goes for any, that goes for churchgoers and goes for theater people and sports people. We're so used, humanity is about socialization and connection. Yep. And we already were, we already were on this, like, you know, we were already on a path of like too, too much virtual. And, mm -hmm. now, and now we're completely virtual. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. It is. So it, I hope on the other end, this, this Facebook post I put out this morning at the end, I said, you know, I think we really have to believe and visualize crowds, visualize a concert, visualize a baseball stadium, visualize we're back somehow. It might be different, but I think the grateful factor, the gratefulness, that's also why I think there's such an eruption, Portland, D.C., civil you know civil unrest like i think it's like you know as as we learn to be more grateful things have to explode to understand that and i think it's a scary time for people with anxiety depression addiction and so as a music therapist i mean we're only one component but i think that music has an ability to connect 
and to connect emotions and thoughts and, and also connect people. Another thing that we're doing with young people is share your playlist with a friend. And yes. Talk about it. Yes. What, what does this song mean to you? And, and right now, you know, one of my big things is nobody should, nobody should die because they do not have the financial means to get clean. Right. Mm -hmm. That is an app. The system is broken in so many ways. And that is one of the ways. Right. Yes. And, and, and music therapy, you know, in a sense, sharing your playlist, putting out songs that I recommend on the podcast or whatever that give you this kind of feeling or this kind of sense or whatever right. is a free form of connection to these people that have nothing. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think for that population too, like many other populations, including you and me, music also can be sometimes hard to hear like you've talked about your the song of your yeah. you know reminding you of your mom that is why you always at the end have to find something joyful yeah. something fun to listen to but it is totally worth it it is it's totally worth it to cry it's totally worth it to to reflect or contemplate because that's the only way you get to the next place yeah I, a suppression like addiction or not suppressing emotions and feelings you and I both know this having the childhoods we have had. It comes out sometimes later in the oddest, weirdest <laughs> ways. It does. And I'll tell you, I have to write a hundred songs that make you want to kill yourself before I can write <laughs> one song that brings even half a smile. But, the, but, but those hundred songs make that one song worth it, right? And that's what we have to think about right now during these these few months is yeah it's challenging yeah it's hard yeah it's kind of changed our normal and taken us out of it but let's just change our mindset and be grateful right like you said be grateful everybody should write a gratitude list every day what are every, you grateful for today every day right every because day, yeah. at Absolutely. the end of the day there's people out there that are hungry there are people out there that don't have beds to sleep in and I'm not trying to say that there's always people worse, right? But it's, a, it's about perspective because I've been, I've been homeless. I've been, you know, I've eaten out of trash, you know, so I know I'm grateful to have a, I'm grateful to have a computer to talk to you on, you know, yeah, I, right, I remember right. when I moved here and I got a bank account and I got a debit card and I looked at it like it was crazy. And my sister was like, what's going on? And I'm like, I have a debit card. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, I haven't had a bank account in seven years. She was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, it's about perspective. All the, all, everybody's in a different place, but we're all in the same place. We, beautifully said. It took me a long time to get to that point, but. <laughs> yeah, but those seven years that you, you know, you do sometimes have to go down to the lowest denominator. And you did. And you did. You know, when you're homeless and you're having to maybe eat out of a trash can or, you know, people's health can go. Mm -hmm. uh, on the third day of being in the isolation room in the hospital, and I had a mild form, form of COVID and I'm still, I have residual effects. But, you know, the young man, 20 years old across the hallway was on a ventilator and probably not going to make it. And um, actually he was in another part of the hospital. And I was hoping, I think they were going to send him to another uh, hospital. But I'm sitting there in this room of isolation. And then I get, you know, maybe 500 texts and Facebook posts. And I'm thinking, it sent me into tears at least 10 times in that hospital. Because I'm thinking, how lucky am I 
to be in an isolation room and I have all these people and lo all this love and there are people out there and because they didn't do what you did, they, they had their seven years but they never got to the other side. They have isolated themselves. They have thrown everybody out of their lives. They don't know how to connect. They don't know how to love. They have no one. And that mm -hmm. is the fear I have. And that is why I think drug use is up. Alcohol is up. Um, and also teen, not just teen, suicide. You know, when well, yeah. we have something happen here in the next few months that I, 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 I pray that we don't, but it's obvious. You know, there's, there are so many people just so um, lost and lonely that suicide rate is already started to grow, but it's, it's going to get worse. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I have like wanted to cry even just hearing you say that, right? Because I've been, I've been there. I was there in December. I was going through a rough patch as strong as I am, you know, but um, you know, to those people that are out there and don't have that connection or anybody to talk to right now. And, 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 if you're thinking about that, it's okay to wander and it's okay to be lost right right now yeah. and just keep wandering. Don't stop. Just wander with purpose, right? You can, you'll find yeah. your direction. You just have to wander with a purpose, you know? And um, you have so many good quotes, Boomer. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I just, I like, I, I love recovery. There's, wander with the direction is like amazing, but you said something else that I think is unbelievable. As strong as I am, you were talking about December. Yeah. I think that this is the myth for you and me. Like people think because I'm this therapist that gives, you know, inspiration and they're always so happy and he has this and you should read his whatever, you know, he performs. Yeah. With you, like you are, a, you're a motivational, per, you're on that bike motivating people. They're losing weight. They're getting their lives yeah. together. They're, and now you're doing this. What people have to understand that statement you said, as strong as I am, is so important because that's you and me in this minute. And it doesn't mean within 17 minutes later, yeah, yeah. questioning, you know, who we are, what are we doing? Do I want to drink? Do I want, do I want, you know, I'm diabetic. Do I want sugar? Am I going to yeah. shove that in my face? We make choices the whole time. And it doesn't mean that we're, we're we have it together. I don't think anyone has it together. No I one does. Constantly, constantly, every minute of the day, just trying to keep it together. But what sets people apart and i think what sets you and i apart from that sense is that we know we don't have it together right and that is the challenge right because if you think you do you're you're gonna fail that's just it's just like if, if i say in my recovery i got this i don't need to worry uh everybody better come running because you better worry you know well I, yeah because i think when you think that you you've you've learned you have it together then you don't allow your vulnerability. To exactly. Change. I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And what you had to do to get yourself where you are, Boomer, and, and me too in a different way because of abuse, we had to be vulnerable to say, I am this. I made these mistakes. And yep. you do that on multiple levels too because you have, you're also a dad. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's Oh, my God, he's so cute too. Thanks, wow. The greatest thing that's ever happened to me, you know, and it's uh, this Father's Day. I, you know, I had no intention of ever moving back, and um, you know, I haven't even shared this with anybody. But uh, Matthew gave me a a, a a card, and it said, "I love you. I miss you. You know, please don't take me away." And that is the moment I decided to move back, wow. you know, because I forgot what it was like to be a dad, you know, oh, through my through my addiction and and, and 
stepping out of my son's life and making the adult decision to remove myself, to better myself, and then come back and be the father he needed. But I just forgot, you know, I forgot what it was like to sleep next to him and to hang out with him for more than two hours. And wow. uh, I forgot what my purpose in life was. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know. It totally makes sense. And the, the courage it takes to step away. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm going to throw you another quote here, you know, you just because I, I was writing a song and I didn't finish the song, but I came up, it was about Matthew and I came up with this line because somebody, you know, I got a lot of flack when I left him to come out here. And then after my life started changing and I started growing and I realized it was the right decision. And I, this is before I decided to move back. I wrote down, I'd rather have him see me shine from afar than die next to him. Oh, God, you know, and, and that, 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 that like just hit me, you know, but, but it's, it's the truth, right? Sometimes it's hard. We have to make the hard decision like right now in COVID, right? Do we want to go out and hang out with our friends because we need that human connection and risk getting people sick right. or do we suck it up? Do we right. do the challenging thing and stay home and sit with ourselves and possibly grow as human beings and save lives? and see exactly. where that gets us. And that's, right? and, and that's where, where I think completely right. And I think that's where people have fear because when, you are all by, when you're by yourself, you have to be with yourself. And then a vulnerability hits. Yeah. And then vulnerability either turns you to alcohol, food, drugs. And that's why as a music therapist, we're just, music is one tool, one tool that you could use to turn to yeah. Uh, I and then although I play music all the time, I've turned to painting. I've turned to, you know, this breathing meditation, which I was like, I never knew you could make your own meditation. Yeah. You know, years ago it was always like it had to be like this, but that the courage of having to step away to better yourself because you love someone is huge, and that's all this turns out to be, Boomer. It only turns out to be now I'm 48, and I I, I forget how old would you be right now. I'm 32, I'm almost 33. <laughs> yeah. So we're older now. Yeah. And, and you realize that all we are, we're, all we are is the story that we had here. And that's it. Like, yeah. um, you know, we can celebrate like we did uh, for John Lewis yesterday. Beautiful. Uh, it was really beautiful. And then, you know, his time here now, he yep. just leaves legacy behind. But yep. we're only here for this moment. So what you went through and how you got to your son and how you got to like making even this podcast today, that is nothing is interesting in the world, in a book, on, in theater, in a movie, if there is not conflict, <laughs> if there is not struggle, and then there's some sort of like, whoa! Yep. And I think that that is, I look at my life the same. And I, I say, okay, there was you know childhood abuse, alcoholism in my family and a lot of very bizarre, dark Netflix movie worthy situation. Yeah. And, and, but because of that, this is where I think you were so honest earlier about, you know, as strong as I am, I feel the same because of what I witnessed and went through and suppressed. I still am a, I'm 48 and I'm strong and I can help people. I still have so many things that I have some intimacy problems. I've con control. 
Yeah. If COVID taught us anything, you don't have control. Yeah. You don't have control of anything where you're shopping, where you're going. Amazon, you want to buy something, it might come in eight weeks. Yep. Want to see somebody? Can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so we put our lives into these. And my company, a place to be is my whole world. Yes. And, and being in that isolation room in the hospital, I was like, it is my whole world. But Tom, you need to like, if there's more, there's you. Yeah. There's, and I have to separate myself sometimes from my mission um, because I'm a real human being who like has some pneumonia and I, I could it could be worse. And you're a real, you're a real human being who feels, you know, many things because of where, what your past was. And I think you reaching out boomer to, to people that need this right now is just an absolute gift to them. Well, I mean, I look at it like, and I think this is cool that we're doing this because like when I needed somebody, you and Dolly were there for me, you know, the world was different then. Right. And I was different then and you were, we were all different then, but you guys were there for me and you guys opened my eyes to so much. And I think back all the time to creative youth, you know, oh and, and so many of the cool things that we got to do there and taking that, um, that, um, that, that show into the schools and, yes. and, you normal. know, normal. And what is normal to you is a stranger to me, a line yeah. from that show written by Garrett sits with me. I think about that line every single day. Every single day, I think about that line, and it means more now. Wow. It means more now, today, if you think about it, right? Because yeah. what's normal to all of us is, is, is a stranger to me, and one of my friends uh, messaged me the other day, and they are sober now. Uh, they got 90 days, I think, and um, you know, they said that my story helped them uh, get sober, and that's always makes me happy. But they said something to me that made me think about that. What's normal to you is a stranger to me. They said, thank you for normalizing sobriety, mm. right? And then I had to think on that. Sober is normal, right? Mm -hmm. Sober is normal. Our bodies, we were born. We weren't born to put substances into our bodies, right? So sober is normal. Right. I was normal when I knew you. I was sober, right? So the stranger to me is addiction. The stranger to life and everybody is addiction. So we have such a stigma on addiction and recovery. We should have a stigma on people that drink alcohol, on people that use drugs, because that's not normal. And I'm not saying anything negative against them, you know, but just in that mindset, right? It dates back all the way to that creative youth. And I just think that this like mm -hmm. through line that builds, right? And life right. that we never see coming. And then I, we think and we talk and things come up. It's fascinating, right? It's it is really fascinating. And our cultures, you know, lead us to be like normalize alcohol. Yeah. You know, we there's many parties around this area that I live and you know that. <laughs> oh, I do. And there's not many there and I mean like, you know, um real uh not like house parties, but older yeah. You know, uh, parties Hot, we call we call that hobnobbing, hobnobbing. Yeah, yeah, hobnobbing. there's a lot of <laughs> We drink a lot of alcohol and yep. I have I have myself and, you know, to be somebody, it's not also normal or it's not average. Yeah. To be somebody that can like have one drink or nope. a set. Yeah. You know, you don't, there are people that can do it. And that, I think that's, was the reset for me. Yeah. Like last night I did have, um, now to be honest, the coronavirus gives you <laughs> a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. So when I came out of 
the hospital and I'm a red, I like red wine. I'm Italian. I, I, can yeah. take it I got like a quarter of it in my mouth. And what's interesting is I don't want it. It did. And, and for me to get myself back in check, because when you have like your dad and my dad, when you have somebody in your life, you know, your dad and you, nobody like starts down that road and goes, Oh, wow. I think I'm going to become an addict. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody says I'm going to be a drug addict. Nobody. Nobody. And, you know, I, I thought about that. I was like, wow, I guess that's how it just, because you hear also in AA often too, it just crept up on me. Yeah. It just, it just, before I knew it. And, you know, I've, I've worked with um, more uh, women than men with um, alcoholism and, you know, it's like the children, she's making, she's drinking a wine for dinner and yep. there's three glasses of wine. She's exhausted by 830 and put the kids to bed. There's one more. Yeah. And before they know it, seven years have gone by. Yeah. And they're like, I can't now not have it. Yeah. So I think, and thank you for saying, you know, the moment that I met you, I knew that you had this humongous heart and we loved you. Dolly and I both loved you as a kid. And watching you on stage perform, it was like, you were very natural. And, but there was also a part of you that looked eager, like mm. almost desperate to get out your emotion. And then yeah. watching you through those couple years after where you were performing and singing, you know, you sang, and I'm sure you still do, <laughs> with such power and such heart. And that I always trust somebody like you, Boomer, no matter what mistakes you made. I always trust people that tears live in the bottom of our eyes most of the time. I think I like that about a human being. I think we, I think people like me and I think you're similar. We make mistakes because we live in the moment, right? We don't, we, 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 we don't take a moment for granted. So when we sit in these moments, it's okay if we mess up because we're cherishing, we want to, we want to hang on to that last moment just a little bit longer and see where that's going to take us, you know? You do and you don't, you know, our, now our society is doing this whole like cancel. Like yeah. Uh, this person made a mistake. That person made a mistake. And then some people are making the biggest mistakes of the world and nothing happens to them. I know. Nothing is making sense. So if you made a mistake, if you don't know who you are, if you hurt somebody, if you, everybody has. Everyone. And if we, if we, we need to get to a place where, you know, I'm sure John Lewis, who we all were, you know, when I watched that yesterday, I was in tears. That man talked about his past. That man talked about his, uh, his failures. And that is even listening to some of the speakers yesterday. You know, if we can't vulnerably look at our fragility, then we're never gonna be strong. And we're never gonna be strong as a society. So I rather, it is not always fun, and I know you know this, it's not always fun to be a fragile person. It's not always fun to like turn on the music in the car and then all of a sudden I'm crying. Or I, I um, cycle in my head something I said to somebody. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, maybe 10 years ago. 24 like, seven. <laughs> oh. You know, in music, that's another thing, you know, that we work on. And I am somebody that I work, um, I think, I don't know. I remember us having a conversation years ago about this, but, you know, I'm ADD. I'm ADD. Yep. Nobody knew what that was in the 70s. Uh, who cares? But my mind, when I feel I made a mistake or I feel I hurt someone, it does not let go. And I can create music and I can teach 50 kids at once. And three hours later, it's like, 
you know, and it, it brings this, that voice back in your head. You're no good. You're yep. an imposter. You're an imposter. Yeah. You know, the imposter syndrome is a very, very real thing, which, you know, there's a lot of conversation about that and being an addict, you know, because yeah. when you get that anxiety of like, oh, well, I'm not what they think I am. Well, here you go. You're it. never good enough. Never, never good enough. Um, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you have something to get to, but I do want to ask you one thing that I wanted sure. to bring up for this. And I might get the name wrong. Um, I can't remember if it was Jack or Ryan that you worked with. Um, who had the OCD song? Jack. Jack. Okay. So I, I found that interesting in, in hearing you talk about that because you, you sang the song that he sings whenever he feels OCD, right? Yes. And in my head, I think you already know where I'm going to go. How could somebody, could this be, I, I'm instantly taken to, this could be something for somebody when they feel triggered to use, Completely. right? It's the same, you know, Obsessive compulsive is addiction. Is addiction. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Jack Jack might want to go to the sink and wash his hands another 80 times. Another person might want to go to the bottle and pour another glass of wine or vodka or something. It's the same thing. And for somebody his age at that time, we created these songs so he could stop himself. Uh, you know, one, uh, one song he and I created too was about flushing the toilet because he had this thing in his head that he had to flush the toilet a hundred times. Now, <laughs> you know what their water bill was like? Yeah. And then I think what you saw on um, that, you know, he would wash his hands to the point that they would bleed. That's how many times he'd wash his hands. So as soon as he turned the spigot on, we got that song in his head and he would start to sing it to himself and it would just remind him turn that spigot off, yeah. you know, and I think we changed some verses too, like, you know, things he could do, like, go talk to your mom. So yeah, I think, you know, it's conditioning. It's Boomer. conditioning. That's, that, that's all recovery is, is conditioning. The first, the first days are hard. The first months are hard. It gets easier because I condition myself to not want to use and to not think about it. So that's exactly Absolutely. right. It's conditioning. If you can use some music to condition yourself, especially during those first couple months. Yes. Like I'm going to sit here and then, you know, I know, you know, all those tricks, you know, I'm going to have the hot chamomile tea. Yeah. With honey. Yeah. You know, like all the things. So I have liquid in my mouth and I'm holding it. I mean, I've been around it enough to see it. And once again, just being somebody that does drink alcohol to make sure I'm always in check. Yeah. I mean, like I said, before the hospital, I was doing something like, well, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm just going to drink tea. Yeah. Once you lived with an addict, once you saw it go down so quick, and then you watch yourself kind of like just doing a little bit too much, you become your fear of your father. Yeah. And yeah. I know, I know you live that. Uh, yes. You know, we are, we are, you are part your mom, you are part your dad, and so am I. Yeah. And so when it comes to like, the things they suffered with, you and I are making a choice we don't have to. And these obsessive thoughts, like the cycling sometimes gets there too. The music stops my cycle. Yeah. And the music might stop somebody like a Jack from washing his hands. It might stop somebody, you know, and then like we said, conditioning. Two months later, that person hears that song uh, in the car and they're like, oh, that's a good feeling. Yeah, that, yeah. That means I have control. Yes. Of something. Yeah. And music can help you find that control. 
right? When you, and I think right now during COVID, it's important because the music can be there when you can't love yourself, when you can't believe in yourself, when you can't be honest with yourself and you can't have another person there with you. Yes. The music and the lyrics and the notes and the key, everything can do that for you. They're right beside you. And it, it might really bring up emotion. And that is, that's why we're drinking in the first place. Yep. That's exactly right. Emotion to come up. That's but exactly can, right. Let it come up and then play something that is just wild and crazy and let yourself just go. You'd be shocked how much you, you can move on to the next moment and not get stuck in it. I, I think for you, that's Mariah Carey, right? I think I saw that video. <laughs> yeah. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, that's what it was. Yeah, I danced with Whitney Houston. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I do actually. I don't know. I you know, I'm sure it's like a nineteen eighties, you know, my childhood. Yeah, as uh, long as you have on those um the what are they, the ankle the the ankle oh, oh, warmers, oh. ankle warmers. <laughs> yeah, ankle warmers. Leg warmers. Yeah, I was Richard Simmons for a class one time, and that was hilarious. <laughs> I've never dressed up as him because I think maybe teaching Zumba was way too close to what he was yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, I like, that you, I like that you call it Tamba. I like that. Yeah. Well, I'm no longer certified with Zumba. Oh, okay. So, and everybody just, you know, they come at their own risk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have them sign a paper. If you're going to dance with me, we're just dancing. I have great respect for with Zumba, and I was certified for years. But now, nah, right now, it's just helping some people out in the neighborhood, keep some chunk off their stomach, and, and joy, joy, just dancing yeah. and having joy. And I think that's why I've, I've always loved you and respected you, is that it's all about helping people, right? You just said it right there. It doesn't, and, and I'm the same way, right? It doesn't matter wow. what it is. I just want to help somebody. And, and I think that is what is great about you also and what you're doing at A Place to Be is you are everybody's champion, wow. right? And, I, you, and the world needs more people like that. And you. you know? yeah. they, they, they thank need, you. Yeah, they need people like us because yeah. we know we have failures and we know we're vulnerable and we know that we're fragile. And all we're trying to do is help another human. That's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's what all life should be. If every person just focused on how they could help one other person every day, we the wouldn't world, have any of what we have right now. The world would be completely different. Be completely different. Also, there's, there are people trying to help people and they think that they're right. Yeah. I, never, I never help out a client or a patient or anybody and I think I'm right. Well, I'm what? just trying to like be with you. Yeah. Well, one thing that I learned in the program and I think is great is, you know, I don't give advice or, or anything like that. It's suggestions, right? I'm not right. I can just suggest to you what I would do or yeah. what, what I felt when I was in this position, yeah. but I don't have any answers. I can yeah. bear, I can barely take care of myself, you know? <laughs> so. And somebody's going to trust that more because you're being completely real. Yeah. And authenticity when this thing is all on the other side, that is what I'm hoping more than anything in the world, Boomer, that the world or most of it or parts of it have become more authentic than ever. Yeah, that, that, that would be a beautiful thing because that authenticity is something we lack everywhere, you know, Absolutely. on Capitol Hill, in the courtrooms, in, the, in everywhere, in the hospital in system, households. everywhere, households, yeah. everywhere. Man, well, thank you. I, I do need to take off. To yes. I could talk to you all day. I know. Thank you so much. Um, well, talk on the phone as friends sometimes. Yes. Yes. I'll, uh, I'll really, sh really proud of you. I mean, I have followed, thank God you came on into my feed about 
know, a few years ago. Yeah. And I started watching your videos and what you were doing for people. You are a curious, you are so curious about how you can help the world. And your heart, from the moment that Dolly and I met you and the group met you, your heart has always been bigger than you. So for those of us that that is, um, you know, they used to say like, you know, it's on your sleeve. Oh, yeah. your heart is definitely on your sleeve. <laughs> I think sometimes having a very sensitive heart and a big heart is just a really hard way to live in the world until you, you know, wonder with a direction. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> until you put it into something, a podcast, a career, a future, a son. And I have watched you do that. And I am just unbelievably amazed by it. Thank you so much. Thank. Uh, okay. I'll be. I'll be back. Uh, very short in August. So let's try and catch up. Let's Believe try and me. catch up. I will promise you. <laughs> okay. Right. Have a All great right. day. You too. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. You know, I can't thank Tom enough for his beautiful heart and soul, and his just incredible wisdom. In this troubling time, as Tom said. Where we lack human connection, let music be our guide. Thank you as always for tuning in to the Pink Cloud Podcast. This was a special episode, and if you want your story featured, or you want to be on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us on our DMs. If no one told you that they love you, they believe in you, they are proud of you, I am all of those things for you. Thank you for being them for me. This is the Pink Cloud Podcast. Oh, baby.